Jeff Passon, my buddy. Nashville, not such a bad place to visit in early December, is it, sir? Well, I wouldn't know, Clinton, because when I visit Nashville, I go for the winter meetings. And when I go to the winter meetings, there is but one truth, and that is that I don't leave the hotel the entire time. And <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, to go to a great city like Nashville and spend the entirety of the time uh, in the, what's the best way? Hellhole comes close to describing what the lobby uh, yeah, is like. Yeah, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go <laughs> hellhole. You know, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel is just uh, an endless pit of despair. And uh, it's going to be a week, let me tell you. How many does this make it for you in terms of number of winters meetings, I like to say that, that you have attended and covered? Uh, this will be number 20 for me. We got a round number. And wow. uh, what that says to me is that uh, I've been doing this for a long time and I am old. <laughs> so this is a week of you staying in the hotel, running around the lobby. But in all of your years attending the biggest baseball summit, though, what's your favorite story from the winter meetings that isn't just about X, Y guy signs with, you know, A or B team? <laughs> okay, so December 11th, 2013. Okay. I get a text from a source and he says, look at this. And there's a video attached to it. I What I see in the video is two men in a parking lot fighting. I never got the names of the participants confirmed. But allegedly, as the story was told that day, there were two agents and one of them had stolen a client from another. And rather than take this like businessmen, they took this outside. And uh, this was a really boring winter meetings. And I'll read you the, the lead from my story that day. Uh-huh. The most exciting moment of the 2013 winter meetings took place in the self-parking lot outside the Walt Disney World Dolphin Hotel at 12.03 p.m. local time Wednesday. Forget trades, free agent signings, and rumors. Two men tried to beat the crap out of each other, witnesses <laughs> said, and one of them threatened to burn the other's house down. And I don't know that I've ever written a better lead than that. Um, it, it was it was a crowning moment. And this was like before the days where I really spent my winter meetings actually like breaking substantive news. Right. Uh, I live for stories like this. And uh, listen, the winter meetings uh, for as much of a grind as it can be for as intense and pressure filled as it can be. Um, it creates stories like this that live on a decade later. We certainly don't expect any punches to be thrown in Nashville next week during the winter meetings. And to be frank, this is a hot stove season that doesn't really need any extra gas thrown on the fire. Because Shohei Otani, the biggest star in Major League Baseball, is on the market being wined and dined by suitors. 
and Juan Soto, maybe the best pure hitter in the game, is on the trading block as the San Diego Padres seek some salary relief after last season's spending spree. Oh, and Shohei's not even the only Japanese sensation being pursued by MLB ball clubs. There's a red-hot rookie by the name of Yamamoto who could set records for a contract handed out to a pitcher before he ever even takes the mound in America. So Jeff Passan outlines the hottest stories he'll be chasing around the Gaylord Opryland Hotel next week in Nashville as the hot stove heats up. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Friday, December 1st. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, Jeff, the winter meetings are traditionally the starting pistol for hot stove season. And this year there are two free agents, one trade target that stand above the crowd. No point in burying the lead here. Shohei Otani is an unrestricted free agent. He can sign anywhere. How is this shaping up the week before the winter meetings begin? Clinton, it is shaping up to be not just the largest guaranteed contract in North American sports history, but the sort of deal that completely shifts where money is going in professional sports. Now, Patrick Mahomes has his $500 million deal, but it's the NFL, so the actual guarantee there is far short of $500 million. The the biggest deal so far is Shohei Otani's friend, Mike Trout, who he spent six years with with the Los Angeles Angels. And there have been questions about Shohei Otani because he had a torn UCL in his right elbow Mm -hmm. and uh, needed reconstructive surgery there. The the second time he's had it within a five-year span on that elbow. And he will not be pitching in 2024. He will only be hitting, which sounds like a completely silly thing. But that's why we're talking record-setting money with Otani here, because he is one of one. He is the guy who is an elite hitter and an elite pitcher and an international superstar. But there, you know, there, there were questions about just how much money he may get in free agency and how much that elbow injury may hinder him. Yeah. Suffice to say, Clinton, it's not going to. Uh, The sense that I've gotten talking with sources is that the floor for Otani is 500 plus million. Uh, The likelihood is 550 plus million. And there's a possibility this contract could get up to $600 million. It speaks to what Otani is, what he represents for baseball, and just how game-changing he will be for whatever franchise ends up signing.
It's interesting you put it that way because there is this new model of athlete that we've seen. Not that the athlete themselves is any different, but what they bring to the game. I think of a Messi going to MLS where the content yep. creation portion of who they are is as big and as valuable as what their actual athletic skills are. And in this particular case, Jeff, I got to say, I'm surprised that the numbers are still as high for a guy who coming off two TJs, pitchers are not normally the same players. Even if they can get on the mound, you're not going to get the same type of production out of him. I'm not saying he's not worth the money, but I'm saying that would change part of the calculus for who you're getting as an actual roster member on your squad. Let's look at each of the pieces that Shohei Otani brings to the table and understand how you could possibly get to a $600 million valuation. Okay. Let's look at last, uh, about a year ago, at the winter meetings. Aaron Judge, coming off an MVP season, signed with the New York Yankees for $360 million. It's a pretty significant contract, right? Um, It's one of the biggest in baseball history. Yep. And it gives him $40 million a year. You can make the argument that Shohei Otani, hitting-wise, is Aaron Judge's equal. So let's just say that Otani, as a hitter alone, is somewhere in the vicinity of a $400 million player. Let's just do, let's do the round number thing. $400 million as a hitter. Okay. Now, yeah. we don't know specifically what he's going to bring in to any team in terms of marketing and ad sales and the the effect that he's going to have on a potential television contract or a network as many of these teams prepare for the possibility of potentially going to an a la carte model. You know, we don't know where the TV industry is going. Yeah. But let's just be super conservative here and say that Otani's going to bring in $10 million a year. I think the number is higher, but let's just say for argument's sake that that number is $10 million a year and that we're talking about a 12-year contract. So that's an that's another 120 million right there. So we're up to 520 million in value between just the hitting and the brand piece of it. Are you telling me that you wouldn't pay 30 to 80 million dollars extra to ensure that you get the guy with the knowledge that he may well come back and be an elite pitcher again too? That, to me, is a risk that, for all of the teams involved, is well worth taking and may be the separator and differentiator when it comes down to who he winds up picking in the end. Sure. What's the 50 to 60 million between friends? I mean, I get it. But (laughs) what do you think and what have you heard is attractive to the Otani camp in terms of what different franchises are trying to bring to the table in terms of ballparks they play in, things around the park or things in the city and so on and so forth in terms of the vibes of any particular team that he could go to that's not the Halos. I wish I had a good answer for you here, but I think this speaks to the fact that six years into his career in Major League Baseball, we still don't know a whole lot about Shohei Otani. This is a guy who, after he won the MVP, went on MLB Network and was sitting there with a dog, right? It's a cute dog. It's a good, good picture. 
And people inquired about the dog's name afterward, because of course you want to know who this cute little pooch is that's sitting with the two-time MVP. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Otani didn't even want to reveal his dog's name. Like he is very, (laughs) very tight with information about anything you want to learn about him. And, And the team's that have been in the bidding have been confused by that. Uh, they, they don't know what to sell or what to pitch them on. You know, they do the best diligence that they can and try and find out that information. But uh, in the end, I think they're flying blind too. And that is really the takeaway from this entire free agent sweepstakes. We don't know and we won't know until he makes his decision. For those who do know how the sport operates and are familiar with the TikTok back and forth of this, and I'm using the journalistic <laughs> phrase there, not the social media phrase there, who are those teams that are actual real suitors for Otani services at this point? Well, I'll say this. Um, you know, the Rangers, I, I thought early on, were going to be a big player uh, at this point. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. The Red Sox, uh, you know, Otani really likes Boston, the city but I don't get the sense that the Red Sox uh, and in the same vein, the New York Mets are going to be front and center with this. Uh, The Blue Jays are a surprising to some candidate, but it makes all the sense in the world. Um, You know, uh, there's disillusionment among their fan base right now. And while you don't go spending 550 or $600 million willy nilly, uh, you also don't want this disillusioned fan base, you know, a year after you did a $300 million renovation on your stadium to stop packing it. So I think the impetus is there for the Blue Jays to make a real run. I think it's there for the Cubs who want that centerpiece of the franchise to build around with a seemingly really bright future. The Giants, I I don't have a great sense there uh, of just how in it they are, Mm -hmm. but I will say this, uh, they need him. They just do. And and in the end, you know, let's focus on the two teams in L.A. Uh, the Dodgers, it makes sense in every way. Uh, they are the Hollywood team. And if he wants to win, there's probably no pl- better place to go than up the five and uh, to the Dodgers. But, you know, the, the Angels have been, if not good for Shohei Otani's chase to get a ring they've been good to him and i think there's there's a sense of loyalty there i'm not sure that it's going to be a hey if you match the highest offer it's going to be you but at the same time i think it's really hard to leave behind the place where you spent some of the most important years of your life they could make a movie about just this offseason alone if he does end up signing with the Halos and name it Angels in the front office is what wow. you name it because it would be wow. a miracle. That's just me. By the way, for those of you who don't know how real the Otani factor is, I will never forget this particular story. He was in the first round of the home run derby against Juan Soto in Denver. He got eliminated in that first round and a third of the stadium just plain left. Quick reminder about that All-Star game. He was also the starting pitcher in it as well. (laughs) This next big name isn't actually a free agent just yet. That would be Juan Soto. I mean, it seems insane that the Padres are going to get rid of him after everything they went through to get him. Why is he available? And what do you think it will take to get him out of San Diego? 
He's available, Clinton, because the Padres have extended themselves so significantly financially and had a mediocre season last year that uh, the expectation in the industry is they are going to pare back their payroll by about $50 million. Now, there's just no way for them to get there without dealing Soto. Because... Fernando Tatis Jr. has a no-trade clause, and Manny Machado has a no-trade clause, and Xander Bogarts has a no-trade clause, and Hugh Darvish has a no-trade clause, and Joe Musgrove has a no-trade clause. And they also are missing, you know, arguably three-fifths of their rotation. They lost almost 700 innings to free agency this year among pitchers who were on the team last year, so they need to rebuild their pitching staff. And... That is the calculus that they're dealing with right now. It's not that they want to trade Juan Soto. It's that there's really no other logical move for them to do. Where do you see him landing then? There are people that think that his plate approach from the left side built well for Yankee Stadium. People said the same thing about Joey Gallo too, but we're not talking about the same player there. (laughs) What are you looking at in terms of potential places for Soto to end up? I think the Yankees are the prohibitive favorite, and it's it's warranted. They have a need. They have the pitching, whether it's Michael King or Clark Schmidt in the big leagues, uh, Drew Thorpe or Chase Hampton in the minor leagues. The you know the Padres want to fill out their rotation, and doing so with young, cheap, big league ready pitching would seem to be a priority for them. But it's it's not going to be just the Yankees, you know. Uh, it, the Cubs could be in there, especially if they feel like they're not going to win the Otani sweepstakes. Um, you know, the, the Red Sox and the Mets, um, even Texas, potentially? The market is still taking shape at this point. The Yankees are the understandable betting favorite because A, they're the Yankees. B, they're coming off of a... Really disappointing 82 and 80 season. And see, the fit is just exceptional. They need a bat. Like you said, they need a left-handed bat. And Juan Soto, just in terms of his approach, was built to play in New York. But uh, I I don't think A.J. Preller, uh, the general manager for the Padres, is going to settle any more than he knows he has to already. So... The Yankees or whoever it is, they're going to need to at least step up some and not act like this is some sort of a fait accompli that they're going to be able to steal Juan Soto. The other name out of this big three is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. The next big thing coming from Japan. And Jeff, he seems like almost as sure a thing as Ichiro was, except he's a 25-year-old starting pitcher. Who is this guy? Who wants him? And what are they going to be getting for those who are not keeping their pulse on what happens across the seas? Who is this guy? He is the reigning three-time MVP in Nippon Professional Baseball, uh, the the Japanese league that's widely regarded as the second best league in the world. Uh, He is also the reigning three-time Sawamura Award winner, where the Sawamura Award is the equivalent of the Cy Young. So he has essentially pitched the last three seasons better than just about anybody has ever pitched in NPB, a league that's been around for a really long time. This past season uh, for the Oryx Buffaloes, uh, he threw 164 innings. He struck out 169. He walked 28. And 
I understand there is a dead ball in Japanese baseball right now. But to allow only two home runs Mm -hmm. in 164 innings with a 1.21 ERA is just silly. And the stuff backs it up. You know, fastball is going to sit probably 94 to 96 and he can run it up to 99. But it's two secondary pitches that really play. There's a split finger fastball, you know, on the level of Kodai Sanga's ghost fork. Um, the curveball will probably be the best curveball in Major League Baseball the moment he steps on the field. And he also throws a, a slider cutter that's a pretty darn good pitch. So we're talking like a, a four or five pitch mix, and all of them are above average, and a few of them are elite elite. When you look at the body size, though, and when you look at the athleticism, okay. it's it's an interesting delivery. There's not a lot of lower half involvement. The comparison that I got thrown out that makes all the sense in the world is Tim Lincecum. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I was hoping you were going to say that because I was going to tell you this. There's no comp to Tim Lincecum unless you've got his hair, just to be clear. He does not have his hair. And uh, that is indeed a shame. But I'll tell you what, when you watch the guy pitch Clinton, you're going to fall in love with him anyway. Lincecum had one of the most unique deliveries and some of the best stuff that this league has seen in the past two decades. Can't deny it. So so to answer your other questions, who wants him? Uh, everyone. And that to me is probably the most unique part of this free agency. It's just the amount of moneyed teams that are interested in Yamamoto. Mm. It's the Yankees. It's the Mets. It's the Dodgers. It's the Red Sox. It's the Cubs. It's the Giants, the Blue Jays, and even potentially the Phillies. We are talking every high payroll team in baseball. And I I can't think of a free agent, Clinton, Mm -hmm. who had everyone in on him like Yamamoto does. And, you know, sources I've talked with have suggested that this could get up to $250 plus million before the posting fee, which is going to be paid to the Oryx Buffaloes and is going to be, you know, if it's $250 million going to Yamamoto, there's a $39.38 million posting fee on top of that. It would not surprise me If Yoshinobu Yamamoto gets the second biggest contract ever given to a pitcher behind Garrett Cole's $324 million deal with the Yankees. Coming up, we will explore the pitching market beyond Shohei and Yamamoto. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, Jeff, one of the more volatile parts of free agency every season is, of course, the market for starting pitching. Arms, they're more expensive, prone to injury, usually racked up a lot of mileage sometimes by the time they get to free agency. How do smart teams do this, making sure that they've got enough in the tank for their staffs? Well, I'm going to reference a conversation I had with Alex Anthopoulos, who now is the president of baseball operations with the Atlanta Braves. This was back when he was running the Blue Jays, and he had three young starting pitchers down in the low minor leagues. One of them was Noah Syndergaard, another was Aaron Sanchez, and the third was Justin Nicolino. And they were throwing him like one or two innings at a time in their starts. And I asked why. And Alex said, I don't know. And it was an incredible admission from somebody who's in charge of a baseball team to admit that the industry, generally speaking, doesn't know about pitchers. So the idea that teams know anything or that there are smart teams with pitching, there are teams that have done it well, um, you know, Cleveland, uh, Los Angeles, Tampa. Houston, uh, Houston, you know, Seattle in recent years. Um, but you talk with the people who run all of those teams, and I think they acknowledge that there is an element of luck with pitching. And as much as you think you may know, uh, the arm remains the great mystery of baseball. I could go on a whole diatribe about how this has changed over the last 15 years as a result of things like youth baseball, college baseball, the drive lining of the game. But I'm not going to do that because I don't need to do that. But aside from the gentleman from Japan who we mentioned earlier, Otani and Yamamoto, what does this market look like at the top player wise for veteran arms? Well, free agents include Blake Snell, the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner. Jordan Montgomery, uh, who, if you recall, was as good as any pitcher in the postseason this year and was absolutely huge for the Texas Rangers as they won their first World Series. It was. Eduardo Rodriguez is out there as well. Uh, I mean, that like free agent wise, there's some there's some decent pitchers still out there. Lucas Giolito, you know, a guy who struck out 200 plus batters three times in the last four seasons. Shota Imanaga, another pitcher from Japan who I think is going to do really well. Yariel Rodriguez, a, a pitcher from Cuba. Um, Marcus Stroman, um, Jack Flaherty. Like, if there is a strength to this class, it is starting pitching. But 
the real dudes are going to be on the trade market. Um, Dylan Cease, his market is enormous, and the Chicago White Sox look like they are going to trade him. Uh, maybe it's the Dodgers, maybe it's uh, Baltimore, maybe it's Atlanta, the Red Sox, the Cubs, uh, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, all of them are looking for starting pitching at this point. And if you don't get Cease, who's still under contract for two years after this year, you can go to a bunch of top-end guys who are going to be free agents after 2024. Tyler Glass now with the Tampa Bay Rays is almost certainly going to go. He's making $25 million next year. The Rays don't believe they're going to extend their payroll significantly. So, uh, you know, shipping off Glass now is a real possibility. Um, Shane Bieber with Cleveland, Cy Young Award winner in 2020, a uh, guy who's had some elbow trouble. So there are questions about that. But he came back at the end of the year and against a Cincinnati Reds team that has a great young lineup, uh, limited them to one run over six innings, struck out seven, didn't walk any, and looked more like himself. And then there's Corbin Burns with the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, the Brewers have been engaging teams in recent days on the possibility of a Burns trade. And uh, if if that happens, you know, another Cy Young Award winner would be on the block. So the amount of guys out there and available uh, is pretty astounding. One name you didn't mention, and maybe I'm saying this somewhat selfishly because I live in Los Angeles, is Clayton Kershaw's. He's been on a interesting situation with the Dodgers the last couple of seasons, signing one-year deals because, you know, he's getting up there, but his hometown Rangers have openly discussed the possibility of him getting back there. How do you see that going for a guy who is a staple in the market that he's been pitching in for years? It's a great question, and I think it's one of the mysteries of this offseason. What we know about Clayton Kershaw is that he is planning on pitching in 2024 after undergoing shoulder surgery. Now, if you know anything about pitching, uh, you know that the elbow, usually you recover pretty well from the shoulders, a different story. So suggesting that Kershaw is going to be back this year, I think it's more of a he plans to or he hopes that rather than a he will. Ah. Um, that said, he is at the point in his life now after 15 seasons with the Los Angeles Dodgers that going home and Arlington, Texas is less than 30 minutes from where he grew up in Highland Park. Going home has real appeal to him. And so I think we're at the point now where the chance is probably greater than ever that he would leave the Dodgers. But that is not by any means to suggest that he's planning on doing so. I think he's going to take his time and uh, he has certainly earned that. All right. At the end here. I got to ask you, who are we not paying attention to that might be more active than we anticipate as the hot stove heats up here in Nashville? Oh, boy. Like a sneaky active team. The Arizona Diamondbacks already have gone out and gotten a Eugenio Suarez from the Seattle Mariners uh, to fill in that spot at third base. But they're making a lot of calls. I, I don't think they want this momentum from their World Series run to end. And and I suppose when you have a guy like Corbin Carroll as your centerpiece, you should build on that. Because as lucky as the Diamondbacks may have been to go from a team that sort of backed into the playoffs to, you know, a couple games short of winning a championship, 
their upside is high and they want to capitalize on that. And anytime your owner says, uh, I'm going to give you more money, uh, if you're Mike Hazen, the general manager there, uh, you smile and say thank you and you go and spend it. Speaking of Arizona, on my Instagram during the World Series, I posted a picture of a pair of baby blue Jordan 4s and I did not identify who they were. They were Jeffs. Listen, uh, sometimes, Clinton, you got to surprise the people. And I hope we did that at some point here in this podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you. You too, buddy. Thanks. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bruce Baldwin, Bradford Craig, Andrew Hahn, Alexander Hyacinth, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, and Andres Soto. Special thanks to Jackson Agello. Israel Gutierrez will talk to you Monday, kiddos. <laughs>